0: And I, that's hard to explain sometimes because it's like I I don't understand this, but I trust you. I don't understand you, but I trust you. I don't understand what's happening beneath the surface, which I know that God, your ways are not my ways, and your your thoughts are higher than mine. But I know that you're doing a deeper work that I can even see in the midst. And so I'm going to hold on to you for dear life. And it's so cool because there's this book in the Bible called um, Habakkuk, and his name means. Um, hug or embrace and basically it's this whole story of him saying gosh God if anything if the worst things were to happen I would still hold on to you and it's just this picture of, of holding tightly to God even when the worst things are happening all around you
1: Hi friends, it's Brittany Moses, and you're listening to the Faith and Mental Wellness Podcast, the podcast at the intersection of faith, culture, and mental health, where we get to dive into expert insights and the realities of those with lived experience to help us live more insightful, connected, and wholehearted lives. We understand that the views shared here are respectively held by each individual and is not a substitute for professional care or an alternative to seeking personal help from a clinician or provider. And it is ours to discern. So sit with us. You're listening to episode 34. Welcome back to the Faith and Mental Wellness podcast. Um, I'm really looking forward to today's conversation with you. It is heavy, it is deep, but it is rich. Uh, hopefully it is enlightening and healing to those who can relate. Today, we're talking about the intersection of faith and and loss and suffering, something that often seems juxtaposed for people, right? They seem the opposite. A lot of times there's this idea that if I have enough faith, if I do all the right things, you know, then God's going to bless me. I'm going to be protected and, you know, nothing bad should happen to me or come to me or if, you know, terrible things do happen to people. Sometimes it's a question of, well, you know, what was going on in their life or their faith, right? And obviously that's wrong. (laughs) Obviously that's assumed and flawed. But in light of this topic, I'd like to bring up something called the just world hypothesis. And in the Just World Hypothesis, in the psychology world, it it basically is this idea that we believe that good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. And there's a reason for that. One, we want to believe that we live in a world that we can control, that we can have some control over. If we do all of the right things, then we can control the outcome of our lives, right? But what happens then is that when bad things happen to uh, genuinely well-intentioned and meaning people which is what happens in life quote-unquote bad things do happen to good people um, it can lead us sometimes to go you know well what's going on with their faith or what hap- what was going on in their prayer life or what decisions did they make or what did they do that this happened or what didn't they do that allowed this to be brought upon them right? And we do that because it leads us to believe that if we have the right behaviors at all times, then we can control the things that happen to us. But the truth is that suffering comes even to the believer, even to the faith filled person. Um, we are not immune from life's trials and difficulties. And not only that, but it's unbiblical, uh, to think that we would be untouched by life. In many scriptures, it talks about how, you know, there will be trials and tribulation and suffering in this world, but we can take heart, uh, in Christ in the Lord because he has overcome the world and this ain't it right um so that's just some of the things we're touching on with today's topic um about the intersection of suffering and an unsurmountable grief and loss and having faith through it all and today i'm having that conversation with jenny Lesko, and she serves alongside her husband levi leading fresh life church in montana utah oregon and wyoming as well as across the world online they have five children olivia daisy clover lennox and lenya who is waiting for them in heaven the Lesko family lives in montana and enjoys bike rides walks lake days late night hot tub and cold plunge parties movies and families are super fun as you'll soon hear and jenny loves to spin and Box and good food and sugary coffee, and wearing the same thing every day, but also getting fashion advice from Levi. Super fun. Um, And she's a hugger, so beware if you meet her. Uh, She's super sweet, super raw, super authentic. Like I said, she's someone who is, you know, in the church, but has also experienced her alongside uh, Levi have experienced a lot of suffering and loss, and what it means to really move through that in faith. And so I'm going to let her dive into this conversation and tell her story, and you'll want to hear the whole thing, even about how to support those who are going through unsurmountable loss when you don't know how to respond. So here is Jenny Lesko on When Faith Meets Suffering. Well, Jenny, it's so great to have you on the Faith and Mental Wellness podcast. How are you guys doing over there today? I know you're, you know, kind of in quarantine. You've got a two year old. You guys had an eventful weekend. What's up? Oh my gosh!
0: Well, thank you so much for having me, Brittany. It's really an honor and a joy. And yeah, I I literally on Mother's Day sprained my ankle and oh. uh, playing tennis. Well. I do not play tennis well. My, all my kids are taking lessons and I'm actually taking lessons alongside my nine year old and my eight year old. So that kind of gives you a glimpse into my abilities. <laughs> but, um, but I was just trying to help my oldest daughter. She's going to be playing tennis in high school. And I was just trying to like feed her balls and, you know, kind of like hit the ball back and forth. And I stepped on a ball. You're not supposed to have balls on the tennis court. There were, and oh, I, no. uh, sprained my ankle and, and uh, we just had it checked today and it might be fractured. So that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. But yes, a, a two year old in quarantine has been um, a little bit crazy, to be honest. Running, running around after him. Yeah. He's just, we have four daughters and a little, and our last uh, child is a little boy and he's two and a half and just such a joy and crazy all at the same time. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that is just a
1: little just a little bit just going little. on <laughs> man and oh i hope you're resting and i always say thank god for bodies that heal could you imagine if they didn't heal back it's just like even little things like that are just those tiny miracles that totally. it will heal and i i know we're talking a lot about healing and recovery mm-hmm. wow i didn't even mean for that to tie in like that but look at god we're natural, natural. <laughs> As we're talking about healing and recovering wow. and being on the other side. <laughs> um, you recently um, had a book come out. Congratulations. And, you know, you and your husband, you know, you, you guys have your church going on as well. Um, and I, I would just love to open up with a little bit more about your story leading up to the work you're doing today. Um, and then we're, we're going to go in from there and I think have a really great conversation about where faith and suffering meet and that resilience and being on the other side.
0: Yeah. Well, um, I guess to start off with, I've been married uh, to my husband, Levi, for 16 years. And we planted a church in Northwest Montana uh, 13 years ago in Kalispell. And honestly, it's just, it's crazy. And God is so, his timing is so perfect. And I'm just so thankful that he pushes us to do the hard things in the moment. Cause then you look back and you see, wow, God, God, God's doing something special. He's doing something powerful. He's doing something way beyond I could even ever think of or imagine or do on our, on my own, on our own. And so we, um, we started Fresh Life as a tiny little seed of a church. And these days, I don't know if you know, but these days there's this amazing church planting organization called ARC. Yeah. And, they are incredible. We actually support them now as, a, as an organization, but we never had them as a resource for us in planning a church. We didn't know. I don't think they had started back then or we didn't know about them or whatever. But um, we started, we moved from Southern California, um, 74 degrees in January to Montana, which we didn't know then that January is the coldest month of the oh year. Oh, my gosh. I'm a <laughs>
1: California girl born and raised. So <laughs> I am feeling all of this in my soul. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Well, I, yeah,
0: I was born and raised in Northern California. And so same, like, no, not real, like, quote, unquote, real seasons. seasons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we move uh, 74 degrees California to uh, in the negatives. It was 14 degrees when we moved here and to Montana. And, um, honestly, I mean, even just the humor of that, because like, we felt for so long that, um, when we first got married, like, man, man, we just feel like God might be calling us to start a church somewhere. But we always thought like big city, we felt like God was, would use us to reach a lot of people. So we were like, maybe one day we'll moved to New York or LA and started church. Like that's literally what we thought. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we moved from Albuquerque, New Mexico to Southern California right after we got married. And from there we were like, yeah, this is where we're supposed to be. We're going to be in ministry. And, and we were, we were serving where God had us, but then things were just changing and God was shaking us up Mm. and somehow Montana got on the radar. And so we were like, we don't even know where Montana is. Are there even any people in Montana? What, like, what was this? What would this even look like? And so, um, it just, God led us there. It's, I'm already do, doing way more of our story than, <laughs> than I need to. But oh, okay. um, what's so, what's so beautiful though, is that, um, he, he led us and, and even in moving to Montana where it felt like we were walking away from what we what the dream or the thought of what we thought God would have for us, we were, it seemed like we were walking away from it. Cause even people in our lives who were like, Jenny, Levi, like there aren't even any people in Montana. Like what he do this doesn't make any sense. And, but it, as we felt like God was leading us and it wasn't like he wrote it on a wall or he spoke to us specifically, but it just felt like he was leading us in that direction. Um, what's so special is that, um, now, 13 years later, we look back and literally we see God's hand and we see him moving and we see him, uh, changing lives and changing directions of people's eternity and, um, changing marriages and, Mm. um, really, really beautiful. But then we didn't know, and then we didn't even know what that looked like, but we just took a step of faith. And I think that that's so important for us to know, like, Walking in God's will isn't so exact or black and white right. or, well, you've got to go this way or you got to go this way. But like when we were asking for um, wisdom and advice from a pastor who we loved and um, looked up to, um, he said, honestly, Levi and Jenny, like God could use you anywhere. Like you could move mm-hmm. to Montana and God would use you there. You could stay here in California. God would use you here. You could move to China. God would use you there. Like obviously you want to, you want to follow what you feel like God's calling you to do and, you know, being in the word and having people around you who are are encouraging you and, and, um, speaking life over you. But there is that like tension of, man, I don't even know if this is exactly right, but we're going to take a step of faith and see what happens. And so we honestly said, Hey God, we're going to, we're going to commit to five years because I feel like that would be a good amount, a good amount of time to like figure out, like go through the hard stuff, figure out good stuff, like all that stuff. But we'll give you five years. And then if you're not, it doesn't seem like things are happening or moving, then we'll move back to California. Our oldest daughter at the time was one. So we're like, she'll be in kindergarten and it'll be like, it never happened. But, um, but we, at five years we had, gosh, I don't even know. I don't know, 500 or 800 people or whatever. Anyways, it was just obvious. All that to say, it was obvious that God was moving. And it was Mm. just so beautiful that he used a tiny seed of us starting a Bible study in Kalispell, Montana with 14 people on January 14th. It was 14 degrees outside, literally. And now to be able to be um, all across the Northwest, we're in Portland, Oregon, and Salt Lake City, Utah, and Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and all across the state of Montana. Um, and it's just God. D- d- God does weird stuff like that, and it's just yeah. so humorous <laughs> because it's like we're now at a place where um, God is. Praise God, He's decided to use us to reach a lot of people, but from the middle of nowhere, Montana, and I, and it just it's just a work that only. We can only say that was God because that was not in our hearts and we had no idea. And so um, when we moved to Montana, we had one daughter and uh, Olivia. And right after we moved to Montana, I found out I was pregnant with our second daughter, Lenya. And so as we started the church, she was born that same year. So it was kind of like she was growing up. Um, like all the baby stages of church and the baby stages of a baby. And it was just all like messy and, and and beautiful all at the same time. Mm But, um, so five years went by and it's so interesting that we had said, like we had committed to five years, but five years went by Lenya. She um, had gone through just a bunch of health issues. Basically she was born healthy, but a month in she had, um, Contracted RSV, and then just that just kind of launched her into just allergies and um, just uh, just health stuff. And so by the time she was nine months old, she was diagnosed with failure to thrive because she was allergic to so much that I didn't know. And I had Mm. been breastfeeding her at the time. And uh, basically, we drove from Kalispell to Spokane, Washington, which was the nearest children's hospital at the time, and a one night visit turned into a whole week because it just came out that she was not actually doing well and she wasn't thriving. And, um, I was nursing her, but basically everything I was feeding her, she was allergic to, it was just, she was allergic to so many foods, but then also so many environmental things. So like horses and grass and hay and dust and basically the state of Montana. Mm -hmm. And so, um, from there was just the process of figuring out, okay, what is she allergic to? How can we get her to grow? So we put her on hypoallergenic formula right away. And she just started after feeding tubes and um, hospital visits and regular allergy checkups, she started actually uh, growing and thriving and getting better. And she had asthma, uh, but our my husband has asthma and our oldest has asthma. So it was kind of, it was a normal thing for yeah, us. Yeah. Um, So anyways, by the time she was five, she had grown out of a lot of food allergies and she never had like beautiful baby skin. But when she was five, uh, her skin was just starting to clear up and just, she was just so full of life and spunk and personality and sweetness. And, um, and, uh, in 2012, in January of 2012, our fourth daughter was born. So Clover was born in January and then December came around and it was the week before Christmas. And, um, in a, in a house, in a ministry led, I mean, it, we, we, lead a ministry, so it's all, it's crazy getting ready for Christmas church experiences right. and all that stuff. Uh, but we also just lead a staff as well. So staff, Um, meetings and parties and um, all the things and so the whole week before leading up to Christmas Eve we were just saying okay you guys to our kids it's crazy now and we have a lot going on now but we have Friday family day coming up and um, it's going to be amazing and we planned ice skating and Levi was going to take Lenya to go Christmas shopping for her sisters and we had planned a we had a um reservation for a fancy dinner out and we were going to get dressed up it was just it was going to be our day yeah. to just be family and so we were looking forward to that day and so Thursday night Levi and I we were in the rhythm back then of Thursday nights were our date nights and I brought all the kids to my mom's house and then we had it at home date night which was uh so fun and anytime we get to just be home without our kids is always like it's so fun because it's like we could just be home and not worry about like going out and we could just be free at home, which is amazing. Um, And so we had that, that night we went to go pick up the kids from my mom's house. And I mean, literally it was just, we were experiencing such like just rest already. And that was kind of a good rhythm for us having date night going into family day because it was really like, we were, it was us getting on the same page and just being together before the wild wonder of family day with four kids, seven and under basically. Right. And so, um, so we pulled up to my mom's house and my brother ran out and basically said, uh, that Lenya wasn't taking her asthma treatment. And so I ran inside and, um, tried to help her take it, but she basically like looked at me and then passed out and on the kitchen counter. And Levi ran in, and um, and we called nine one one. And then um, he started CPR right away and just got into like um, emergency mode. And I was just praying and I, I mean, literally didn't know what was going on, but was just immediately praying and and asking God uh, to help and heal. And we thought she was choking. We didn't really know what was happening. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, um, even just telling, like telling Lenya, like Lenya, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And just trying to comfort and, you know, I mean, comforting your five-year-old daughter and, um, paramedics came and took Levi and Lenya in the ambulance. And then my brother drove me later on. And, um, and so we got there and we were waiting in the waiting room and, um, little glimpses of just God's presence i mean the allergist it was a volunteer paramedic and he was there like the the one that we had been working with with her like he knew Lenya, and that was like i remember in the blur of the night like i just remember seeing his face and it was almost like like a breath like okay i don't know what's going on but that's a real comfort and Mm -hmm. um and then the doctor came in and just the i mean you literally you see it in movies and tv shows and You just see it all the time, but then it happens to you and you hear the words, I'm so sorry, Mr. and Mrs. Lesko. there's nothing more we can do. And literally we had gone from um, just a beautiful night, excited, anticipating the next day to just plunged into our daughter is not with us anymore. Our daughter is gone. Our daughter just died and is in heaven but and just we were just plunged into this this darkness and it was so shocking and so sudden Mm. and um and honestly I mean about about a month later we were at a restaurant and um one of the the paramedics who was there that night came up to us and he and his wife paid for our meal and just so kind and um actually since then he has gone to heaven but he Mm. told us he said he said, you know what, the moment I walked in, I started praying. I, I I knew who you guys were, that you guys led, Fresh Life Church, and I just started praying. But honestly, the, the moment we saw her, we knew that God just snatched her. And that was the word that he used. He said, wow. snatched. He said, I, j- j- there was, we never got a heartbeat. We never, like, there was, n- we just knew that she was gone. And, um, and as hard as that was to hear, there was so much comfort in that because it was like, it was like, he, he just confirmed like God took her and, um, and that's a whole other conversation, but like, but God, God took her and she didn't suffer and she wasn't in pain, but she was just, um, taken. And there was comfort in that too, knowing that she went from Levi's arms, like literally he was holding her to her, her father's arms in heaven. And so just those little glimpses mm. of comfort and strength in the midst of, of pain. But, yeah. um, but yeah, that was, that's honestly the foundation of my book in a sense where I, that's where I kind of start from. But at the same time, I'm also talking about just the daily struggle of just being uh, on, honor, just honoring God and being a, a, a kind person and a loving honoring wife and a uh, uh, the kind of mom that I, I want to be. So it's it, that's kind of the foundation of the book, but then it just kind of springboards from there of what it looks like to fight to flourish. Today's
1: episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey guys, we're going to get right back to the conversation because trust me, I know you'll want to hear the whole thing. But I quickly wanted to share with you this exciting new partnership I have with BetterHelp. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P. One of the questions I get asked a lot are how you can go about starting therapy. A number of you are located around the country and even around the world. And as helpful as I often like to be, sometimes I find myself limited in being able to provide the one-on-one resources that you need. Well, I'm happy to say that one option I can share with you today is BetterHelp's online therapy and counseling services with licensed mental health professionals. Since I know a lot of you guys want more faith-based counseling as well, I'm even more excited to share that they also have another service called Faithful Counseling, which has licensed Christian therapists and counselors who are certified by their state, where you can receive licensed counseling using your computer, tablet, or mobile phone through video calls, phone calls, or text messaging. So I use BetterHelp Therapy. I've been using it myself, and it's been super convenient You know, between school, work, and really just having someone to check in with on a regular basis has been so important for my own mental health. So what happens is when you sign up you'd be matched with a counselor in 24 hours or less and you can securely message your counselor anytime any day you know day or night and get replies within 24 to 48 hours. BetterHelp also has group in our sessions every week where you can learn in groups directly from licensed counselors on multiple topics like relationships and ways to overcome anxiety. Uh, I also found out that financial aid is available for those who qualify and you can apply for financial aid during the signup process. Hello. Additionally, listeners of the Faith and Mental Wellness podcast like you get 10% off of their first month using my specific link in the show notes below. And like I said, I know a number of you are around the world. BetterHelp is available worldwide. And if you want to get started and get matched with a counselor within the next 24 hours, I have links to both BetterHelp and Faithful Counseling in the show notes. I should mention that it is not a crisis line. Okay, if you are experiencing a crisis, I have a link to all the crisis lines by country in the show notes as well. Check it out and let me know what you think. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. Yeah, and okay, I'm like catching my breath now. Oh, that is, that kind of loss is unfathomable. And I know, I know that it, I mean, it's evident that it took such a process for you to be on here now and articulating everything the way that you are. Like, that doesn't just happen. Like, that takes the inner work and the healing and the processing and the surrendering and it's so evident that you've put in that work mentally emotionally spiritually to be able to be on here and tell that because gosh you know um that's a lot and I know we're gonna get more into like you were saying um kind of going from that to thriving in a sense um because we don't we don't forget the grief we kind of move forward with it you know um and so that's a big thing and so that being said you know and I want to tie back into everything that's that happened with your story and in the book but what is something that we commonly get wrong about how faith and suffering intersect Mm -hmm. um you know there are some cases where you know, it's like they should be separate, right? Be- people believe that they should be separate. Like if I have strong faith and God is protecting me, and really meaning though, like He's protecting my plan and my idea of how life should go, and nothing right. terrible <laughs> will happen to me. Um, yeah, what what do we get wrong about that? Because obviously, you guys, let's, just being honest, you guys obviously like God bless your ministry, your church. God-fearing, God-loving people, people people-loving people who, you know, did all the things, you know, and and followed obediently and faithful in your personal life and in your ministry and still had something so catastrophic happen that could really shake your faith or send someone into a faith crisis, you
0: Mm -hmm. know?
1: And so I guess drawing from your experience and maybe just kind of the theme in general of, like, what do we get wrong about faith and suffering And what is a more, I guess, even healthy or balanced or just real perspective to have in this? Because it's easy to talk about these things, you know, like faith and suffering kind of on a pulpit or in a message. But like when you really go through it, that's a whole that's like that's a whole other world to actually process that for yourself.
0: Totally. And I love that you're bringing this up because it's such a it is I think we. We think that if we're living a life of faith, then um, then we're not going to struggle or we're not going to suffer or we're, we just got to believe. And if we have enough belief, then we can like soar above, you know, all the things and not really struggle. And but that's not in the Bible. I mean, right. if we're going off what God's word says and what he says about it and what examples we see all throughout the Bible, almost I mean, almost every Bible Character and person in the Bible went through something horrible, and you just see them walking through it. And it like we can read the Book of Ruth, but her, her story was what she was living out. But we get to see it from beginning to end. You know what I mean? So like yeah. she went through great tragedy and and horrible suffering, and the death of um, her husband, the death of her um, family, and leaving her family, and and you just see all of the pain that she went through and yet you see such beauty emerge from it. And it, it's not like the beauty, the beautiful things. I mean, if you're, if you're familiar with the story of Ruth, it starts off at the beginning where she was um, uh, married to this family who, who was from Bethlehem, from God's people. She was not, she was a, a Moabite woman, but um, by the end of the story, she's married into this family and has, and she's in the lineage of of Jesus Christ. And you just see like, oh my gosh, like, wow, what an honor and what a, what a joy and what a, a privilege and what a life she got to live. But you see that it was, it came out of, of difficulty and yeah. pain and gr- great grief, really. But, but the flourishing, the beauty that you see didn't start then it started in the tiny seed at it, in the midst of heartache and in the midst of grief. And I think that if we can see differently, if we can ha- put on the lens of faith, so to speak, and see our lives the way God sees them, because we, we just see where we're at right now. Like we, we are able to see, like in the rearview mirror, and look back and see what God has done, or the pain that we've walked through, or um, the difficulties that we've faced. But we're living in real, real time, in real life. Our lives, so we can't see the future, but God gets the aerial picture where He sees beginning um, to end, and He can see the whole. and And the beautiful thing is that God, oh, He's so good, He's so in control, and He's at work in such a deep way yeah. that we can't even see. And it's like, and I talk about this in the book too, but it's like when you put a seed in the ground, and you can just imagine, like. That, that seed and the fear that probably overtake. Obviously, this isn't real, but just imagine mm-hmm. like the seed and being afraid because it's literally in the dark and it's in the dark for a long time before even the sprout, the first little sprout comes out and pokes through the ground and is able to see like, oh, there is life and there is sunlight and there is there is a point for me in all this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But the but the the work that that seed is doing under the ground and the roots that are taking root and the the life that's happening underground is actually the most important and it's what is going to sustain and strengthen um, and give life to the, the plant, the tree as a whole, as it emerges out of the ground and is able to produce fruit and all of that stuff. And so when we, when we can see that it's the, the tension and the, the, the marrying of, difficulty and joy of heartache and um life. Yeah. And um if we can see those two together and how there's actually a blending when um when you go through difficulty and you hold on to God for dear life. And when you yeah. experience great grief, but you also experience joy. I mean honestly right after Lenny went to heaven um, we experienced what the Bible talks about as the peace that passes understanding. This peace that is totally uh, just ununderstandable. Like we, even looking back and seeing pictures of us right after Lenny went to heaven, like we're there's pictures of us holding our our daughters that we still had and laughing and playing and dancing, and it's like, how on earth were we doing that when we just experienced? the worst thing like and it's just it's just you can't understand it it's just unfathomable but at the same time like i remember so clearly experiencing this the darkness and the light at the same time i experienced holding lenya's hand after she had gone to heaven and raising my other hand in almost automatic like okay god you gave us lenya and you've taken her and i don't understand it and i hate it But I trust you. And it was just that was the beginning of like that tension and that kind of like wrestling, so to speak, of I hate this. And I know, God, that you hate this, too. And I know that you didn't make this happen. I know you allowed it to happen because nothing happens without first going through you. But at the same time, I trust you. And that's hard to explain sometimes because it's like I I don't understand this, but I trust you. I don't understand you, but I trust you. I don't understand understand what's happening beneath the surface which i know that god your ways are not my ways and your your thoughts are higher than mine but i know that you're doing a deeper work that i can even see in the midst and so i'm going to hold on to you for dear life and it's so cool because there's this book in the bible called um, habakkuk and his name means um hug or embrace and basically it's this whole story of him saying gosh god if anything if the worst things were to happen I would still hold on to you. And it's just this picture of, of holding tightly to God, even when the worst things are happening all around Mm -hmm. you. And I just think that both we need both. And, and even in, in James, um, it says, I'm going to read it. I actually have it right here because this is a verse that is even now just God stirring up in me, um, these things. But he says, um, my brothers and sisters, you will face all kinds of trouble. And when you do, think of it as pure joy. Your faith will be tested. You know that when this happens, it will produce in you the strength to continue, and you must allow the strength to finish its work. Then you will be all you should be. You will have everything you need. If any of you needs wisdom, You should ask God for it. He will give it to you. He gives freely to everyone and doesn't find fault. But even just the fact that, I mean, other versions as it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, because it's the it's the um, it's what your patience is being tested. Your life is being tested and you're going to get the strength you need to keep going. And I think when we realize that it's this the trials that come to us from every side, I mean, it could be a sprained ankle. It could be a. uh, a, a loss of a friendship or uh, a loss of a, a marriage or the, the loss of someone you love grief. It comes in so many different shapes and forms, but if we can see those things as things that will strengthen us so that we can keep going, that God will use to refine us and to build up our patience, and to build up our faith and to build up our strength and to build up our grit and our endurance to take the next step and to keep going and to, um, to love and build up others and to, with the same comfort that God has comforted us to be able to comfort others. I think there's just that it's multifaceted and it's multi-dimensional, and there's, it's not just what we're seeing um, right in front of us. There's more to it. And I think that it's so important for us to ask God for that wisdom and that strength to be able to see, um, see our lives the way God sees it and to see that, that we, we're not going to understand everything and we're not going to see everything perfectly clearly until heaven, but we're on that trajectory. trajectory. We're on that journey. We're, we're on our way to see Jesus face to face and the journey there is going to be hard, but, um, yeah. but God's doing something in us deep in our soul.
1: Yeah, when you said, I was, I kept hearing the word refined by fire in my head, and then you said refined. And so, like, I, I'm so feeling that about how, like, the fire is sent to refine you, not necessarily to burn you,
0: you know, to <laughs> a crisp.
1: And it's like, so even if true. you do feel burned to a crisp, he, he makes beauty out of ashes, you know? Um, yeah. And that is, I, and I also love even just the, um, component even from a psychological standpoint of allowing yourself the space for both to exist for both Mm. the the joy and the grief to exist and i think that for a lot of us for a lot of those who have gone through suffering a lot of the dissonance uh comes from pushing either away you know, or rejecting one or the other, or, you know, holding on to the grief and rejecting the joy or, you know, trying to be do all these things but not act but not ever facing the grief, you know. So I I I see how that could have how that would have been so integral for you is just having that perspective to let both coexist and to let God continue to have his will in your life. And even just being pastors, you know, you guys are faced with so many people's stories of grief and loss. In ways that a lot of people may never know (laughs) or experience Mm. um, to that level, like losing a child and whatnot, and just even thinking about how even this this piece um, in your ministry, being able to really minister to others and be there for others at a soul level of we haven't been there, you know, and we're this it's not this shallow faith of this, not this God in a in a genie's bottle (laughs) where we rub them and he comes right. out and he makes all things right but no it's like this is real life and this is what it looks like to continue to follow god through all of this and that yeah. there is another side um and that being said i'm curious um what did for those especially for those who are listening who are going through just a loss that feels insufferable what did the recovery process look like for you practically like what helped and what didn't help for mm-hmm. you guys as you were growing through this and getting to a healthier, thriving place?
0: Yeah. I mean, a lot of it was just d- daily. I mean, I think yeah. sometimes when you're in the, the middle of the pain, in the middle of the grief, um, it's all you can do to just get your next breath. Because I know for so many of us when we're going through that, it just feels like a weight on your chest and it's like, it's hard to even just get that deep breath in, getting all that oxygen that you need to your brain and going, you know, um, and so for me, honestly, one of the practical things that I'm so, so, so thankful for that, um, that God really used to help me get out of bed. Honestly, I mean, um, I had to take care of my kids that I still had. Like I, I hated that Lenya wasn't with us and I hated the thought of the rest of our lives without her and that would just honestly like stop me in my tracks and make me like really have a hard time thinking and breathing and even just picturing like our kids growing up without Lenya and and even just the overwhelmed thought and this was just a mother thought that came to my mind of it's like okay yes I know that the Bible says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But, and I know that Lenya's with Jesus right now, if that's, and that's true, but she's five. And I was just thinking like, who is watching her? Like heaven seems so like overwhelmingly big and huge. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's so real. It's interesting. Who's like assigned to like take care of her? Because I, I lived my, her whole life was me like nursing her and then taking care of her and, you know, just being a mom and making sure she was safe and making sure she wasn't running into the street. And, and so, but then now all of a sudden it was like cut off. And it was like, okay, who, who is taking care of her? And obviously like, I don't know. And I, I don't know all those things, but one thing that was so helpful was that I, I'm still a mom to Olivia, Daisy and Clover. And I had to get up in the morning because Clover was not even a year old yet. And I had mm-hmm. to feed her. I had to change her diaper. Daisy, I had to feed her and change her, uh, get her dressed. Olivia was seven. And I had to be, I had to show up for her. She just lost her best friend. Mm-hmm. And it was almost an immediate, like, there's no, I don't have a choice to just lay in bed. And which I honestly probably would have if I didn't have, I didn't have like the, the responsibility to help take care yeah. of somebody else. And I'm, I'm honestly so thankful for that. And it forced me out of bed thinking of other people besides myself. And I think that that's one thing that is so um, key in grief and so key in, in the pain and in the the suffering and the trials is like remembering to look up and, and Psalm 121 says this, it says, I, I lift my eyes to the hills from where comes my help. My help comes from you, creator of heaven and earth. And just that thought of looking up and first of all, being mindful that I'm not alone, that God is with me, yeah. that he's with me in this, in this brokenheartedness. He's with me when I'm feeling crushed. He's, he's near. The Bible says that he's near to the brokenhearted. And so looking up and remembering that, that God is, first of all, loves me. God loves you in whatever struggle you're in right now and whatever suffering you're in right now, but also looking up and seeing that there's people around you right now who who need you, who need what God has given you to flow through you to them. And I think that that's something that I, um, I love so much, this thought of, yes, we are in our own fight to flourish. We're in our own fight to keep growing and to keep um, loving and to keep giving, but we're also in a fight to help others flourish we're in the fight to to help to comfort and to give and to love and to serve and to be um a a vessel for god to pour through us so that other people can experience healing and strength and grace and and love in their time of need and so um i'm thankful for that just practically that i I had to take care of my babies, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's just that um, initial, like, w- don't give up now. Don't quit now because God is going to do something even deeper in your own soul. But he's also going to use you to help the people around you as well.
1: Yeah, it's like you had something which are your your children but you had something there that was forcing you to move past what you were feeling um and forcing you kind of out of staying stuck um because you kind of had to be there in a way um as you're processing those things and of course everybody's journey looks different depending on what their family structure looks like but there is this element of just grief and just recovery as a whole where there does come a point where you do kind of have to move past what you're feeling and even if it's in small steps you know even if it's just you were able to get out of bed you were able to make your bed you were able to take a walk and like you said get that deep breath outside or even just deep able to take a deep breath that that morning (laughs) for yourself Mm -hmm. um whatever it is like even if it's that one thing it's like if there's if I could just get this one thing done today you know um not this like forced productivity where you're you know ignoring what's really going on and, and not in processing but you do maybe have that one element that is helping you move that's helping you propel forward even in baby steps. Um, yeah. So that's, I so think that's key. really interesting.
0: Yeah. You know, it's so interesting because um, one, of, one of my dearest friends, she, her question to me was, um, Jenny, how did you leave the hospital? And right. I mean, right. honestly, that uh, looking back, it's like we were in the hospital room with Lenya and it was her body. She was with Jesus at that, at that point. I mean, I'm guessing. I don't know how long it takes to get from earth to heaven. Yeah. It seems that if, in the Bible, it seems that heaven is nearer than it's than it seems. But, um, but all of a sudden, like I, I, I don't remember exactly leaving. I just remember being in my, um, in my car. Mm. And I think that it just is. It's, it's one step at a time, like you said. And I think so often we feel like we need to rush to the next step or rush to the next step. Yeah, a phase that's or rush to the next level. But I think really it is one step at a time. And like you said, it's so important to know that sometimes it's a tiny step and it's a millimeter or sometimes it is a, a foot or something like, and I think it's okay to know that it's like you said, you're on a journey that is different from somebody else's and it's going to look different. And so for you um, to get up in the morning and to t- take a breath, to to read your Bible or to to listen to worship music or whatever it is like um, it's just the next step. And I think the key thing for me was like holding on to God like never before. And he honestly was, was carrying us as a family as for me and my husband together as a, as a married couple going through grief together. Like that's, that's a whole other thing too of like you, we, we even have friends who have lost had had children die and their marriages hadn't made it. And so I know that that's even a statistic of like, um, of most, a lot of marriages won't make it through, but we know for us that there was just that grace, that dependence on God, but that grace with each other. And it was not perfect. And I describe a moment in our book where I was, I was having a really hard moment and we were not on the same page and I didn't do it right. And I, but I just think if we can just keep taking the next step and even just saying, God, I don't have the, next, the, the strength to take the next step or the next breath. He's going to give, he's going to give us. And I honestly experienced that firsthand of not feeling like I had the strength mm-hmm. to take the next step, to take the next breath. And God's so faithful. Like if we just say, God, I'm weak. (laughs) I can't do this. It's all over the Bible where he's going to be the one who replenishes the weary soul. He's going to be, his grace is sufficient for us and his strength is made perfect in weakness. And he's going to give us the power and the strength to to keep going. And so I think it's just a matter of that vulnerability with God, that vulnerability with your spouse or with the people around you in your life. And just to to know that he's going to, He's going to meet you right where you are. He's not going to give you all the strength you need to take 20 steps. He's going to meet you right there and he's going to help you take the next step. And I think that's really the point of our lives. It's just that dependence on God and that faith that says, Mm -hmm. okay, the next step and the next step. Mm -hmm. And God, I don't, I don't, I, you have this, you put this dream in my heart to do this, to do such and such, to go this place, Mm -hmm. but, but I trust you right now to, to, to light my path with your word to take the next step and then the next and that's this life of faith that we're called to live not to to have it all together and not to know it all and not to to know the 10 steps on how to leave the hospital and how to right, um, right. live this your best life now but it's like I'm just gonna hold God's hand and I'm gonna right. I'm gonna walk with him because that's all I can do
1: I am, you're preaching to my, that's like my life motto. You know, everybody's (laughs) always like, how are you doing all these things? How are you getting, I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I just, one day I look at the 24 hours in front of me and I go, if I can you know, handle the twenty four hours. I'll let like Jesus says, I'll let worry I'll let tomorrow worry about itself. <laughs> you Amen. know? And that's Amen. really that's really how it is. And I just I appreciate your honesty as well. Um, just kind of wrapping up here with my last question. Um, I really appreciate your honesty, especially um, you know, as a believer, as a person in the church, as a as, you know, in leading a church as well with your husband, because, you know, you see a lot of spiritual bypassing happening, um, with grief and suffering. And I think part of that is because people don't know how to respond sometimes or they don't know what to say. So there can be a lot of like, and what, like what I mean by spiritual bypassing is like, oh, well, you know, I'll pray for you or just, Mm -hmm. um, you know, God is in control or, and and of course, like we're not saying these statements aren't true. Um, but when they're used kind of as a, you know, like a blanket. Yeah, like yeah, a blanket statement up. and because, because we're, we're uncomfortable with other people's loss and grief, you know, when really a lot of times it's just sitting with a person and just being present. Um, you know, what would you suggest, especially within the church context, you know, is the best way to support someone through a catastrophic loss? What would you say are some of the things that are just honestly on a real level just actually helpful?
0: That's so good. That's such a good question. Cause I think that is one of the hardest things is when someone, even someone close to you is going through heartache and grief and loss, it's really hard to know, gosh, what do I say? Like, I don't want to say too much. I don't want to say too little. I, I don't want, I don't know. Like, I don't know. And I think that that's such a good question to ask because, um, it makes, it puts you in the place of, God help me because I, I don't know what to do. And I really want to, I want to do, I want to say, I want to be the kind of friend and person who can walk alongside someone. And honestly, I mean, it's, I would say in the initial days for us, our closest friends were literally there with us, but didn't say a lot. And I think that sometimes in the initial days of grief, and I think it's different, like you said before, it's like we're all experiencing such different things in such different ways. And we have different, uh, we have uh, a a mom or a a spouse or, you know, it's like we have different people. And so I think the, honestly, I mean, I guess the blanket statement would be being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and really asking God for wisdom. And I think really, that is such a key thing because he, like I, I just read in James, like if any of you needs wisdom, which is every single one of mm-hmm. us, you should ask God for it and he will give it to you and he gives freely. And I think that that's, I mean, I've experienced this so many times where I'm literally in a conversation with someone and I am so worried because I have no idea what to, to tell them. I have no idea what to say, but in those moments and it's just almost this like split second where I'm like, God, I need your wisdom because I have no idea what to tell this person. I don't know if I should say this. I don't know if I should say this. And he's so faithful to give you what you need. And sometimes it is honestly a hug. Right. And in these days it's different, but like it, it's, or just being there or sometimes it's not even like praying for someone in the moment right there, but it's saying, um, I'm aching with you right now and I'm grieving with you right now. And I'm so sorry for your experiencing. I think I remember for me, there was such a strength when someone said, I'm so sorry. I miss Lenya. I'm so sorry. I hate this. I'm, I'm grieving with you right now. Like even yeah. just a simple text like that gives such strength because you are, because when you're in it and someone is a- acknowledging the pain that you're in, but isn't necessarily giving you the answers or trying to fix yeah, it or trying yeah. to, to like, take care of it in the moment like that there was such a strength in that when people would would text or call or just say like or sigh with you like there's you know uh, the bible even talks talks about like the the anguish of soul and i'm sighing in the spirit like there's we levi and i would even look at each other in moments and we would just sigh like Mm. just that aching like there's no words there's just an anguish that can only be like communicated with a, a big sigh right now. Yeah. And, um, but then again, like, but then there were those moments where we would, Levi and I would call up a, a pastor friend or call up someone, and the things that they told us were like buoys or like lifelines that we would hold on to. And it was almost like, oh, thank you, God. I needed that. I needed that strength. I needed that faith. I needed that um, word to just hold on to for a second, you know, and kind of get a breath of, of air. And I think that God will give those things to you as you're just asking him and depending on him, not, not trying to fix something or, or take care of something, but just being sensitive, sensitive to the Holy Spirit leading. I feel like that has helped me, um, in the grieving process, but also helped me in helping other people walk through things too.
1: Right. And,
0: um, but it is, it's, I'll just say it. It's hard. I think it's, it's a hard thing walking through grief with someone who is experiencing it. And, um, and I, I guess I would just say, um, being sensitive to what their need is. Maybe it's making a meal. I mean, I I remember, honestly, I remember the people who brought meals and who mm-hmm. sent food, and it's like those were such like that was huge. Like, yes. what we needed. Yeah, and um and so yeah.
1: Oh man, I thank you so much for everything that you're sharing. I mean, even just myself in a different way. I wish I heard words just this direct. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. just going through different, uh, going through different things in life that seem um just unsurmountable and i know that those who are listening i know that this is going to bring a lot of healing um i know it's going to meet a lot of people right where they are um and just kind of be a light uh light through this path like you said a lifeline so Mm -hmm. i really appreciate that and oh my gosh i could I feel like we could keep going on and I I want to respect your time and and everyone's time. So where's the best place for listeners to stay connected to you and the current work that you guys are doing?
0: Oh, Thank you. Well, first of all, thank you, Brittany so much for having me. It's really just been a joy and I'm so thankful for the podcast that you're doing and the the people that you're ministering to. It's really needed and so beautiful. So thank you for that. Um, But uh, if you go to jennylesco.com Jenny with an I-E, <laughs> um, it has all the information there as far as like where you can get the book. You can really get the book anywhere books are sold. But um, and then I'm on Instagram, Jenny Lusco, and Fresh Life Church is our church. You can check in and see what we're up to but um but yeah thank you so much for having me
1: absolutely thanks so much so you guys definitely go ahead and follow and check out our book and if you're ever rolling through montana (laughs) if you ever happen to be rolling through check out the church i know i will and um thanks again for your time thanks for your vulnerability and your honesty and your wisdom um and thank you so much guys for listening until next time